You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Monday evening edition, maybe Tuesday morning edition, depending on when you listen to your podcast. Brian Peacock here with you. Welcome to the offseason officially, Super Bowl 55 in the books. The 2020 season is now over and we can fully focus on, and I think 49ers fans have already been focused on, free agency, the draft, the 2021 offseason. It's Mock Draft Monday. I will give some thoughts on the Super Bowl as well. If you want to hear all of my thoughts and and the breakdown from Matt Williamson and I on the Peacock and Williamson show, you can check out Monday's pod there for all of our thoughts on the Super Bowl. I want to talk about the Super Bowl from the 49ers angle a little bit on today's program. And Mock Draft Monday, checking out a few mock drafts from around the internet, one from the Draft Network. They have fresh mock drafts every Monday, so it fits right into what we're doing here. Every Monday on the show, Kyle Krabs is up this week at the Draft Network. He also hosts Locked on Dolphins and the Draft Dude podcast right here on the network. How did he see things going in the first round, especially that number 12 pick for the 49ers? And my colleague Matt Williamson from the Peacock and Williamson show, he's going to reveal his mock draft Wednesday. It'll also be at ProFootballNetwork.com. I'm going to preview that. I'm not going to spoil exactly who gets selected by the 49ers, but I do want to talk about the scenarios because there's so many different ways this can go and you know a number of different players that could go in front of where the 49ers are selecting at number 12 that could really change things. And I'm going to check in on one listener mock draft, and hopefully we'll have time for some of your Twitter questions. You can hit me with those questions anytime at bdpeacock.com and Locked On 49ers at Gmail. I do want to start this off by saying congratulations to 49ers GM John Lynch, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Broncos safety, has been selected to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. So congratulations to John Lynch. That's really cool, an honor he deserves. He was an intimidator. He was like the guy, the prototype strong safety when I was coming up. Like, that's how you play. I mean beyond Ronnie Lott, of course. It was that style of guy and that style of player that doesn't really exist anymore. And and that's the lost art of intimidation on the football field. There's not as much of that going on these days. A lot more talk than laying the wood in the modern NFL. Although Patrick Mahomes got the wood laid on him a couple of times during the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, how bad was that offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that was tough. That was just something that Patrick Mahomes couldn't overcome. And Andy Reid didn't help him out a lot. They were chipping here and there, but they were rolling with five-man protections and letting Patrick Mahomes fend for himself. That was a little bit surprising. And I think in a lot of ways, Andy Reid did get outcoached in that game by Bruce Arians and specifically his coordinators, Byron Leftwich on offense, and especially Todd Bowles, the Bucks' defensive coordinator. Even with the adversity... Patrick Mahomes played pretty awesome. I mean, he did some amazing things and some wow highlight incomplete passes. Even Tom Brady was awesome. I mean, Tom Brady, just his old self, pretty amazing. The ageless one at this point, 43 years old, playing the way he did and maybe wasn't as close to the end of his career as we all thought the last couple of years, especially after last year. And it's pretty clear how much more talent was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2020 team than the 2019 New England Patriots. And really, Bill Belichick 
did a pretty damn good job considering the talent he was dealing with in New England this year, coaching that team to uh, a 500-ish record. Would they end up seven and nine or eight and eight? I mean, uh, I think seven and nine, right? I mean, that was a great. I mean, that's coach of the year type stuff from Bill Belichick. So it's not like it was one or the other when it comes to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady too. It's a pet peeve of mine where it always has to be one or the other. They're both great, but Tom Brady, obviously, I mean, and here's, okay. So, so here's the thing. This is how it all ties into the 49ers because I think there's some things that are overblown and some things that people tend to try to copy too much of what's going on with the Super Bowl teams. And that's the new prototype every single year. People are like, oh, you got to do it this way. Got to do it this way. Um, and good luck if you can find yourself a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady. You know, those are those are one of a kind 20 years apart. That that just doesn't happen very often. So that's one big one. And a lot of people are talking about the offensive line. It's talking about how, oh, well, if, you know, the 49ers offensive line uh, is terrible. And, and look, this proves that you have to fix the, the offensive line first and you have to have a great defensive line. And uh, people have sort of circular arguments about it on Twitter about, well, was the Kansas City offensive line trash or was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line amazing? You know, which one was it? Or was it just pretty good versus completely broken down, injured offensive line playing backups? And that's what it was. If you want to compare what was going on with Kansas City's offensive line to the 49ers offensive line, which a lot of people did on Super Bowl Sunday and after, it would have been like the 49ers playing in the Super Bowl without Trent Williams, without Mike McGlinchey, without Lakin Tomlinson. You know, I mean, how difficult would that be? So it wasn't like the Kansas City Chiefs built the line the way it looked in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. We're like, hey, here's our line. Really cool. All right, we're going to go win a Super Bowl. No, this they just happened to have everybody injured by the time they got to the Super Bowl. So that was really unfortunate for them. And Andy Reid didn't do a lot uh, to help Patrick Mahomes out and try to protect him there. But then, you know, if you go max protect then you don't have a lot of players out there running routes and uh, you're probably not going to be able to get many deep shots because they were playing, you know, a cover two shell for, for a lot of the game. They did a lot of great stuff actually on defense. Todd Bowles did. I can't wait to go back and watch a little bit more of, of what he did. I was watching that battle in the trenches so much. I wasn't really keen in on it. It's sometimes hard to see exactly what's going on there when you don't have the all 22 uh, of the Super Bowl and you're just watching the broadcast. So uh, that'll be fun to go back and see what exactly Todd Bowles did on defense in, in some of those cases. But I mean, everyone was balling out on that defense, the linebackers, the young secondary, obviously the defensive line were, were getting after it, the interior guys and Jason Pierre, Paul and Shaq Barrett. I mean, they were all getting after it. So uh, a really well-played game by Tampa Bay across the board, top to bottom. They deserve to win that Super Bowl because they were the better team. They were the deeper team and the more complete team top to bottom. But that's one of the things. So if you're talking about team building, and we talked a little bit about this on the Peacock and Williamson show Monday, if you are trying to take away team building aspects from Jason Light's roster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay, greatest quarterback of all time, plug him in and have one of the best offensive lines in the league, have a really good defensive line, have two linebackers that run four or five flat or better, and spend a bunch of resources in the secondary, second, third rounders, and and hit on a lot of those young players and not pay them a lot of money. Yeah, sure. I mean, that would be a great way to do things. <laughs> and it's pretty clear that the Buccaneers already had a pretty good roster. A lot of those players were already in-house in Tampa. But they had a really good draft. They nailed their first and second round picks, both impactful all rookie season long and in the Super Bowl 
in Tristan Wirfs at right tackle and Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety. They added Leonard Fournette, who showed up in the playoffs, man. They added him off the scrap heap. But they weren't nearly as good last year with a bad quarterback. And that's the point I want to make is, look, you have this really good roster. It's cool if you know that after you build your roster and you're feeling good about how you're building things for a couple years and then, oh, yeah, we get to throw Tom Brady in the mix to run it all. Now we're golden. They weren't making this run last year with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions, right? So you still have to have the quarterback there. And we saw it with the top four teams at the end of the year, AFC and NFC championship games. It was four of the five top graded quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, They were all MVP candidate type players. And it was the all-time greatest against the current greatest quarterback in the Super Bowl. So that can't be overstated. Yes, you want to build a great roster. Of course you do. You want to have a really good roster top to bottom. And line play, offensive line and defensive line is imperative in the NFL. Absolutely. But if your quarterback's throwing 30 interceptions, that's not going to help that much. So you still need to have the quarterback. And when do you put the quarterback in there? When do you plug it in? When's the right time to get the right quarterback? Can you draft one and develop your own guy? You wait for the GOAT to come calling. And when the GOAT does come calling, do you answer that call? The 49ers did not. The 49ers traded out of the spot Tristan Wirfs was drafted in. Very interesting. There could have been a scenario that's not that crazy where Tom Brady and Tristan Wirfs were on the 49ers roster in 2020 instead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster in 2020. A lot of that hindsight, although I did have Tristan Wirfs ranked ahead of Javon Kinlaw on my personal board. And that's not to say Javon Kinlaw is not going to become a really good player for the 49ers. He has some some awesome traits and showed some serious flashes as a rookie, but raw, and he's not there yet. And we'll see if he develops there and, and could easily become a better player than Tristan Wirfs is. But Tristan Wirfs had a fantastic rookie year, and uh, he's a physical freak, too, along the offensive line. Looks like he's going to be a mainstay for a long time in Tampa, but just some very interesting takeaways when it comes to team building and how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up where they are and how that relates to the 49ers and where they sit in 2021. We'll talk more about that. I've got some tweets I want to discuss later, but let's get into the mock draft Monday portion of this podcast next. You know, it's fun winning money. I made a little cash on the Super Bowl. I got to admit, I talked myself into the Buccaneers after going over the game all week long and and looking at that offensive line, and I thought that was going to be one of the huge keys in the game, and it turned out uh, I was underrating how big of a key that was going to be. Amazing. And so, turns out, Bet on the Bucks was a good idea. You can get on the action, too, at betonline.ag. And get yourself a welcome bonus. It's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all the sports action. And football is now over, but we've got NBA, college basketball, the tourney coming, uh, NHL is in full swing, Major League Baseball will be happening in the spring. Bet Online even covers awards and uh, TV shows, reality TV, whatever. You can find a line for it at Bet Online. Real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
We've got tons of shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network for you. I know you are 49ers fans most likely checking in to this show, but if you want to know more about the league as a whole, you can tune in to the Peacock and Williamson podcast with me and former NFL and college scout Matt Williamson coming at you daily. And there is the new Locked On Today hosted by Peter Bukowski getting into everything going on in the sporting world short condensed podcast daily to get you caught up. All available on your favorite podcast platform. Some news I neglected to mention in the open. The 49ers are bringing back quarterback Josh Rosen. So they do currently have three quarterbacks on the roster. C.J. Beathard, a free agent. Nick Mullins, a restricted free agent. And Josh Rosen, Josh Johnson, and Jimmy Garoppolo are currently the quarterbacks on the 49ers when they do that exclusive rights deal with Josh Johnson to bring him back to San Francisco. And uh, running back Austin Walter also. Those are one-year extensions, it looks like, that have been agreed to for quarterback Josh Rosen and Austin Walter to come back one more year for the 49ers. Josh Rosen, could he make some noise? I don't know. He was not even the backup to Tom Brady in Tampa. He was on the practice squad. And the 49ers are his fourth team in the NFL. Three teams have seen Josh Rosen and thought, eh, nah, not really what we're looking for. And the last team didn't even have him on the roster. On the active roster, he was on the practice squad. So I don't think you should overhype what Josh Rosen is. He's a talented guy. Can somebody turn on the light bulb in his head? Because something's definitely missing when it comes to Josh Rosen. What's going on with his NFL career? Plenty of room to add another talented quarterback to the roster. Will the 49ers do it via trade? Will they do it via free agency? Or will it be in the draft? Let's look at some of the latest mock drafts and start at the Draft Network. Kyle Krabs doing a mock and shaking things up with some trades at the very top of his mock draft. And he has, you know what? I don't know if we should call shenanigans on this mock. He has his Miami Dolphins trading for... Deshaun Watson giving up the number three overall pick, number 35, which is early in round two. In this draft, a 2022 first rounder, a 2022 third round pick, a 2023 second round pick, and all-pro cornerback Xavier Howard to go with Tua Tagovailoa. It's It's a big haul going to Houston in this scenario. And then he has the Houston Texans selecting wide receiver Devontae Smith, number three. Number one, no surprise at all, it's Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars. Zach Wilson going to the Jets. I think that's a fantastic fit for Mike LaFleur's offense there uh, to go with Robert Sala's defense in New York. Uh, Devontae Smith, as I mentioned, going three to the Texans, who ended up with the number three pick. Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State, going four to the Falcons. The Bengals selecting offensive tackle Penny Sewell, which is going to be an extremely popular mock draft pick. Probably the second most popular mock draft pick to Lawrence at number one with Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, going to Cincinnati at five. Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver to the Eagles at six. Another trade here, and this one hurts a little bit for those who uh, might want to see Trey Lance fall all the way to 12 for the 49ers. The fourth quarterback off the board in this mock draft is the Washington football team coming all the way up from number 19 to number 7 with the Detroit Lions uh, giving up their first rounder this year at 19, 51 overall, their second rounder, uh, their fourth rounder, 114 overall, and next year's first to go up to number 7 to draft quarterback Trey Lance from North 
Dakota State. At pick eight, it is Patrick Sertan, cornerback from Alabama, going to the Carolina Panthers. Pick nine, Caleb Farley, back-to-back corners. That also hurts 49ers fans, I think, listening to this mock uh, from Virginia Tech. He ends up in Denver. Uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle from Northwestern to the Cowboys at 10, and another Alabama wide receiver, this time Jalen Waddell, going to the New York Giants. I've seen that one a few times to the Giants there at pick 11. And uh, one of the themes to this mock draft Monday is some. Um, it's early in the draft season. It's very early in the draft season. There's not going to be a combine this year. We're post-senior bowl, but uh, really the, the pro days are going to be the combine, each individual pro day. So we're going to really be uh, hanging out all spring long and checking in on all these pro days and figuring out what times everyone ran. Uh, it's going to be a scattered, odd process leading up to the draft in 2021. But as we sit here in February, it's early, the day after the Super Bowl, early in the process. But seems like a nightmare scenario for the 49ers here with those 11 players going before they have a chance to pick. Some people might say, ooh, maybe Mac Jones is the pick here. You got to go quarterback. Take the fifth quarterback off the board. I don't think I would necessarily be into that. Kyle Pitts is probably the best player overall still on the board here. Kyle Krabs does not have Kyle Pitts going to San Francisco. He has them going a few picks later to the Patriots at 15, which is a fantastic fit. I could definitely see that. And he has the Indianapolis Colts trading up from where they select 21 in the first round to number 14 to get in front of the Patriots to draft Mac Jones. But the 49ers, they go edge here. And I'm not necessarily against it. I don't know if Quiddy Pay out of Michigan would be the edge player that I would tab for the 49ers at 12. I think maybe Gregory Rousseau out of Miami or Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. I would have a head of Pay. I think Quiddy Pay could be a, definitely a first round prospect. But again, it's a nightmare scenario for the 49ers because you would hope that one of Six prospects makes it to you. And, and you know Trevor Lawrence is not. But one of the other three quarterbacks or one of the top two corners right now, that would be ideal for the 49ers at 12. And, and those players I'm starting to see in more and more mocks aren't getting to the 49ers. So right now it's looking like the 49ers could be on the outside looking in just because of what positions go in front of them. And I think there's definitely 12 players worth picking for the 49ers at 12. So I think there will be a talent worthy of taking here. And I think there's going to be some movement with some prospects we're not talking enough about. But when I look ahead here at, you know, Rashawn Slater even at, at 10, I think he's a fantastic offensive lineman, could play anywhere along the line, could be a left tackle in the NFL for a long time, could be an all-pro type guard in the league. But Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan, the corners and the four quarterbacks, is, is what you would really hope would be there at 12 for the 49ers. None of them were on the board, and Kyle Krabs has... San Francisco selecting Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan. And on that note, I want to tease Matt Williamson's mock draft that we will be dropping on Wednesday's Peacock and Williamson podcast. I am not going to tell you who the 49ers selected. I'm going to give you uh, the names, but not in the correct order of the players that went in front of San Francisco in this mock draft. And again, it's, it's kind of a nightmare scenario. Again, all four quarterbacks are gone. Trevor Lawrence is gone. Uh, Justin Fields is gone, Zach Wilson is gone, and Trey Lance. All gone before the 49ers select at 12. The two top cornerbacks in the draft, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech and Patrick Sertan from Alabama, both off the board. 
And that Kyle Pitts is gone in this one. Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, common names to go in the top 12. Penny Sewell, all off the board. So what do the 49ers do in those scenarios? Kyle Krabs had him taking Quiddy Pay. I'm not going to tell you who Matt Williamson had the 49ers taking. But do you go edge again? Do you do do you draft another defensive lineman again if you're the 49ers at pick 12? Might be the best player available there for them. Do you go tight end, even though you have a, an all-pro tight end already in George Kittle? Kyle Pitts might be the best player available when the 49ers are on the board. Do you go to the next cornerback that will likely be somebody like J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, who I'm starting to think there's a little bit of separation between him and the top two guys for me, but, but there is a lot more to watch with a lot of these players. Is there another offensive lineman you might like there for Sean Slater? Is there for the 49ers at 12? Gregory Rousseau is a beast, and there's some good edge players. The 49ers might be sitting there in a, in a position where they have to select either what they think is the best edge rusher in the draft because none might go in the first 11 picks, which is a rarity, or a quarterback like Mac Jones. I don't know. Big decisions there. Or the Niners go through these scenarios, see that, and think, ah, that's not ideal. We want to make a move. We want to get up a few spots and make sure we get our guy. To me, in both of those scenarios, those players off the board, I think I'd be taking phone calls and hoping someone blows me away with an offer to move down in the draft because that might be the best way for the 49ers to maximize. And and really, in any non-quarterback scenario, that might be the best plan of action anyway for the 49ers to move down, maybe try to collect some future picks, just try to collect more draft capital if they're not going to go up and get a passer and if unless they're blown away by a prospect that's still there at 12 at another position. Big questions for the 49ers come draft day this year, and it's going to be really exciting, and I can't wait to see how some of these mock drafts move and slide up and down. And and one of the things I'm really seeing with mock drafts, and it's a trend that always happens, and it's a really good way of, of checking the stock of prospects, is when you start to see a lot of mock drafts and you start to see like post-senior bowl, all of the mock drafts I see from fans and a lot of mocks I see from pros, whoever played well in the Senior Bowl starts to really climb up instantly, right? And then those guys start to settle in and plateau and maybe even drop a little bit because then comes the Combine. And then everyone who blows away the Combine, those names fly up and you see those in all the mock drafts around the internet. So it's always a lot of fun to watch how the stock moves through the process. And again, we are still very early. Next, I want to look at one listener mock draft really quick, and we'll finish up with some tweets. Coming up, Locked On 49ers. February has become my get in shape month. It's the way my life has gone the last couple of years, and after February, I was doing so well, things fell apart for me in March. Trying to get back there now in February. A big part of that for me is Built Bar, because it is a guilt-free snack. It tastes delicious. You don't feel like you're missing out on anything, yet you're getting all this protein and high fiber in a low-sugar, low-calorie snack. Are you hungry? Do you need a snack? Do you want something that tastes good but won't ruin your diet? It's easy. Built Bar. Power your workout. You need something to get you between meals. You're on a long drive. Pull out a Built Bar. You're good to go on your commute. Uh, you forgot breakfast. Grab yourself a Built Bar. For me, uh, I've been I've become a pandemic golfer. Still not very good. Grab a Built Bar in your bag. You're not cranking back some crazy chili dog at the turn. Get a Built Bar. Get that protein inside you and power through the back nine. 
Best of all, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get 20% off with promo code Locked on. Go to builtbar.com. Promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order of built bars. Let's start with a mock draft from Paul on Twitter, who chose door number three. That scenario I just laid out there with the trade down. He went down with the looks like the Colts moved up from 21. Not clear who Indy picked up in this. Probably a quarterback if they're coming up. Was it all the way up to 12 for Mac Jones? Uh, Niners moving down to 21 in this. By the way, it sounds like the Colts might be moving in on Carson Wentz, according to one of the beat writers for The Athletic there in Indianapolis. Stephen Holder says the Colts are definitely in on Carson Wentz. Compensation the Eagles initially asked for two firsts plus will never be paid by the Colts, but the Colts are confident they can fix Carson Wentz. Now it's a waiting game. There's some uh, a, a lot of options for the Colts. They didn't want to give up a bunch for... Matthew Stafford can't imagine they would still, they didn't even offer 21 for Stafford. I can't imagine they would want to give up much more for Wentz than they did for Stafford. I know Frank Reich has the connection there, and Wentz is younger than Stafford and played at a high level when Frank Reich was in Philadelphia, but you're definitely not paying two firsts, and if you weren't willing to give up even one first for Stafford, are you going to give up your first-round pick this year for Carson Wentz? I don't know. That's an interesting one. We'll see where Carson Wentz ends up. It sounded like he was going to be traded before the end of the weekend, and that did not happen. But back to the mock draft from Paul. After trading down to 21, he has the 49ers selecting Patrick Sertain, the second cornerback out of Alabama. I'd be fine with Sertain at 12. If he was still there on the board at 21, I think it's extremely unlikely, but I understand Paul's running a mock draft machine over here, and that's who was there. So. He did it. He was using the Pro Football Focus mock machine. He selected Patrick Sertain, 21 overall out of Alabama. It'd be a home run pick. If they move down, still get Sertain? I mean, absolutely. But if Sertain's at pick 21, probably means that his pro day ran like a 4, 5, 8 or something like that. So maybe, you know, not as much of a home run pick as it looks right now because maybe that's the one thing you still question about Sertain. What kind of speed does he have? He's somewhere between, you know, Mid four fours, mid four fives, you know, four five oh, probably give or take. If he runs in the four fours, that'll solidify him, I think, as a, a top 15 pick for sure, top 12 pick for sure. And, and he won't be there at 21. But if he runs over four five, maybe he could start to slip a little bit. And there could be a lot of movement still to come between February and April in the draft. But on this mock, yeah, I'm calling that one very unlikely. Second round going Kyle Trask, quarterback out of Florida, um, adding that second rounder at 53 overall, Peyton Turner, edge rusher from Houston there, going with a guard in around three, number 84 overall. Looks like he got a second and a third for that trade down from 12 to 21. And with those two picks, selecting Peyton Turner, edge rusher from Houston, and Ben Cleveland, a guard from Georgia at 84 overall. Then late third round, Uh, Shakur Brown, corner from Michigan State. And in the fourth round, love this guy, Quinn Miners, a center from Wisconsin Whitewater. He was a star of the show, probably the number one winner of Senior Bowl week, going from obscurity at Wisconsin Whitewater to uh, probably uh, uh, very high on a lot of boards for a lot of GMs around the NFL with the week he had. He was pancaking guys left and right, and it's really cool to see a small school guy show up against D1 dudes uh, that, you know, and and all those D1 guys got scholarships over Quinn Miners, and he comes up with his half shirt 
showing his belly and pancaking dudes all week long. So that was pretty cool to see. And, and at this point, I don't know if he's even going to be there in round four, but I love that pick. I think that's a pretty good spot for the center from Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, he's not a specimen, so it's not like he's going to climb up into the second round range or anything like that. So I, I, overall, I like this draft. If I had to say anything about it, uh, Kyle Trask doesn't excite me at all, but I think that's right about the right spot for him somewhere in the, the second round range uh the guard ben cleveland at 84 overall i think he's like 350 pounds and i don't know if he's the quick-footed type of interior offensive lineman kyle shanahan's looking for for his wide zone running game love certain love minors i think it's pretty unrealistic that patrick certain would be there at 21 but paul appreciate the mock draft i love seeing a lot of different scenarios here and uh, I, I just you know get i get a one-track mind sometimes so i like seeing other people's ideas and how things could go so hit me at bd peacock on twitter i want to highlight one listener mock every week on mock draft monday as well let's go to 22's sweet swing he says which defense was better the 2020 bucks or the 2019 49ers I'm, I'm taking the 2019 49ers i just think they had more dominant pieces i'll take buckner and bosa all day even though that defensive line was really good for the buccaneers i think the bucks had a better young secondary but the 49ers secondary played at a super high level and you have a hall of famer and richard sherman back there so it's hard to beat that and i'll take fred warner all day long but man those linebackers were lights out for the Bucks, and maybe the best game of young Devin White's career. And Levante David's been one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL for a long time. So I'll still take the 2019 49ers, but it's not necessarily a slam dunk over the 2020 Bucks with how well they played in the Super Bowl. Marcus on Twitter says, am I wrong here? Is it because this weird season or what? All the reporters trying to stir the pot, rumors spreading like wildfire, and it's weak rumors like teams are interested in a QB. Yeah, obviously teams are always interested in upgrading if opportunity comes. What's up? <laughs> I Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I, I think people are biting more on rumors or more thirsty for rumors than ever before. And uh, and it's like all reporters too. The, the top reporters in the NFL, the top beat reporters, they're all about the rumors this offseason. I don't know why. I don't know if that means that there's actually going to be a lot more movement uh, or if everyone's just ready for some action and wants to see something happen. But just having so many quarterbacks available is is really rare. And the amount of quarterback movement that could happen could be really nutty. Uh, but who knows? Maybe a lot of teams will just ask for a lot for their quarterbacks and and dip their toe in the water but not really dive in. So we'll see if all that movement actually ends up happening and I still have a feeling the 49ers are one of those teams where they're they're going to talk to teams and it's just never going to come. And they're not actually going to make a big change at quarterback. That's just still the vibe I have. And that could absolutely change. But there, I mean, there was a report from Jason Locke and Fora talking about how the 49ers were still in on Watson and very in on Watson, love Watson, that Kyle Shanahan was a big fan of Sam Darnold, so those two things could happen. There was a lot of people talking about Sam Darnold and the 49ers this weekend. Uh, I don't even know what to think, though, anymore. I'm, I'm to the point where, and Jason Lockenfor is a news-breaking type of guy, but I'm at the point where it's like the Schefter rule. If I don't hear it from Schefter, I, I just don't know how much stock I can put into it. It's crazy. It's crazy how much movement there might be this offseason. But I love it, man. It's fun. It makes the offseason so much more fun when there's all these rumors 
and all this craziness that could happen, even if it doesn't involve the team you follow. Let's go to Dave. He says, off-season pre-draft pod series idea for you. Grading the Shanahan Lynch drafts, are there more Joe Williams picks or George Kittle picks? Just can't get over that. I wanted them to draft Watson, and they took Thomas. Has to be one of the worst draft decisions ever. <laughs> yeah, the 49ers have been getting killed uh, this week watching Patrick Mahomes play as well as he has. And then, by the way, did you guys hear that John Lynch uh, press conference after the Hall of Fame stuff talking about Patrick Mahomes and scouting him? And he said he was in Lubbock, Texas at the pro day for Patrick Mahomes as a smoke screen to throw teams off. And then it was completely wowed by what he saw from Patrick Mahomes and the display he put on at his pro day and, and called Kyle and said, yeah, we might have to rethink this thing at quarterback because their plan. And I think that was the, the downfall of the 49ers there on missing on Watson and Mahomes. It was just, their plan was just not quarterback. It wasn't that they didn't like those quarterbacks. Their plan was just, nah, that's not what we're going to do at quarterback. We're going to build other stuff first. And it's like, man, I get the strategy. I get the idea. But if a dude dude is there at quarterback, you got to take him no matter what state your team is in. If, unless you've already got a dude dude at quarterback and the 49ers, maybe that would be part of trading for Watson is trying to make that right. And I get the feeling that Watson might've been the pick over Mahomes. I mean, I just, nobody was talking about Mahomes going that high at all. And it was a shock that Mahomes went as high as he did, even though he went ahead of Watson by two picks. There was no indication pre-draft in 2017 that teams liked Mahomes that much and that he was someone who was going to end up in the top 10. Watson was someone they had talked about going one, two overall the entire process, and he slowly kind of slid out a little bit, and it was still sort of surprising that he was not selected in the top 10. Last one here really quick. This is from He Hate Me on Twitter says a different way to think about a trade for Watson consisting of say three first rounders is to consider it really two years without a first rounder because you can call the acquisition of Watson your first round pick this year. Does this rationale make sense? That makes perfect sense. He hate me. You're drafting Watson this year and it costs you two more first rounders to be able to draft him at pick 12 overall. That makes perfect sense. That's a great way to look at it. And so uh, you should be a salesman. Are you in sales? I bet you are. I'd love that. All right, good stuff, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, This offseason is going to be so much fun, and we've got you covered daily here. Locked on 49ers. We'll be chatting with my buddy Nick Winkler tomorrow about everything going on in Ninerland. Have some other guests. I'm getting lined up. Got to get back to my position-by-position overviews and, and grading what we saw on the field in 2020 haven't finished that yet because there's been so much other stuff that's been uh, on the forefront here with trade talks. And who knows, maybe the 49ers will have swung some massive trade. And if any other trades go down in the league, we'll talk about them here as well. Subscribe so you don't miss it. Locked on 49ers.